0: Well, and welcome to this week's episode of Bill Valley by Choice. I'm your host, Nana Bonsu of Infinite Horizons Incorporated. Our website is www.inphorizons.com forward slash podcast. Now, please go there and find out you know on some of the previous episodes that we've done. There's a ton of content over there, including books and certain articles that we recommend we've curated for you to be able to read. Don't forget to subscribe and explore entrepreneurship. Um from a, uh, from an inspired perspective. And we're going to be talking about it with our guest today, Wayne Marlins. You're going to hear his story and learn some key strategies for success and unlock the secrets of how to take your business to the next level using some of his powerful marketing strategies. Mm-hmm. So don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends as well. Wayne Marlins is a husband, father of four entrepreneur and the founder of ugly mug marketing, the creator of the freelance accelerator and the author of the book full circle marketing. He's an out-of-the-box against the brain thinker and has it has more than paid off for his company and clients. He leads from the heart and is passionate and unapologetic about doing so. As the founder of Ugly Mark Marketing, he's inspired clients from more than 100 industries and his work directly influences more than 250 entrepreneurs every year. In this episode, we are going to talk to Wayne about his journey and his out-of-the-box thinking um, and how that has helped solve many of the problems faced by business owners today. Welcome to Build Value by Choice, Wayne. Thank you so much, John. I'm excited for our chat today. Awesome. I'm excited to have you. Uh, Clearly, uh, you're a marketing genius, and I'd love to uh, pick your brain a little bit in this conversation. What inspired? I want to start off by asking what inspired you to take this entrepreneurial route and create ugly mark, uh, marketing.
1: Yeah, the, the simple word would be opportunity. So back um, in a previous life, it seems, I had another company, and I grew that company over a three-year period, And we grew very rapidly. And as a result of that growth, I started having a lot of other business owners come to me asking me, what are you doing? How are you scaling your business so quickly? And the answer, Nana, was actually marketing. We were doing very unique, very creative things around our marketing. And so out of those conversations, I began doing consulting for people around marketing. And one thing led to another. And eventually, um, that turned into Ugly Mug Marketing. So... That seems to be like an,
0: an, you know, an odd kind of name, right? Because you would think that for marketing, you want everything to be like pretty pictures for a brochure and a flyer, but yeah, you call it ugly mug. What's the secret behind that particular moniker?
1: Sure. So the name Ugly Mug Marketing actually comes from a quote by David Ogilvy. So David Ogilvy is the co-founder, was the co-founder of Ogilvie and Mather. And they were the largest ad agency in the world for a long period of time. They're still in the top 10. So they're huge offices all around the world. But David, the co-founder, he had a quote that was, I would rather an ad that's ugly and effective over one that's beautiful, but isn't. And so in the world that we live in, Anna, um, there's, all this pressure to enter design competitions, to enter creative uh, award campaigns, things like that. And so for us, I always wanted that to be front and center, that we don't want to get distracted by doing things for the sake of trying to win an award. Instead, what we want to do is we want to work in such a way that our clients' results are the most important thing to us. And so the name Ugly Mug, although it does kind of rub people the wrong way initially when you hear that, it's really a North Star, if you will, for us to keep us focused on what matters most, and that's our clients' results. Okay, that's awesome.
0: What is the most rewarding ex- um, experience you've had since you founded uh, Ugly Mug Mark- Marketing?
1: You know, I- I've had the privilege of working with some some amazing people, um, some New York Times bestselling authors, some very large um, company CEOs, some publicly traded companies, some, some really interesting founders. But to be honest with you, Nana, one of the most impactful things that has ever happened to me is um, the investment that I make in my team members. So very early on in the building of Ugly Mug Marketing, uh, I had a team member. And you know, it's my responsibility as the CEO, as the leader, to get the right people on the bus, but then make sure that I get the right people in the right seats on the bus. So kind of paraphrasing there off of Jim Collins work. Um, But I, we were so small at the time that I, that I had somebody working for us and he was a wonderful person, a phenomenal worker, but I had him in the wrong seat. And unfortunately there weren't any other seats really available because we were so small, we were still growing. So I had to let him go because he was not able to fulfill what he was supposed to fulfill in that role. Um, and it was very, very tough for me as a, as a young entrepreneur, because I, I really liked this person and really respected this person. And they were going through some stuff in their personal life at the time. Um, and so for me, the impact has been years later. So that that all took place probably 10 years ago. And to this day, he and I are still friends. We still go to lunch um, from time to time together and we still visit and we still keep in touch. And so for me, the impact isn't in all the wonderful things we get to do for our clients, but the impact is in the lives that I get to touch and I get to impact every single day through what I do. And now a lot of what I'm dealing with or who I'm, I'm working with is our team members day in and day out. That's
0: interesting because I remember, um, I believe it was Eric uh, Taylor of uh, Southwest Airlines where, he almost like flipped conventional thinking of, of, on his head because a lot of times in business, the customer is supposed to be the most important. But he actually, in his mind, he said, look, the employees uh, came first because if you took care of employees, the customers would be taken care of. So it's it's kind of, uh, you know, what you just said just kind of reminded me of that. And I guess maybe when you go to lunch with this with this uh, person, you can look back and kind of laugh. I'm, I'm sure like, you know, seven years ago, it wasn't that, you know, uh, it was probably like, you know, from his perspective, the worst thing that ever happened. But, you know, maybe uh, the passage of time is kind of assuage all of that. Um, now, in terms of, uh, you know, your experiences as a father, how has that impacted your entrepreneurial journey?
1: Yeah, I think the biggest impact for me. So, you know, being the father of four kids um, with all of them in various activities and lots of, you know, just things going on in their lives. My oldest at this time is uh, almost 16 and my youngest is nine. So, you know, it's a very active season I have had to learn as an entrepreneur to really protect my time um, and learn to say no to good opportunities and to good people. And so what I mean by that is I only have a short period of time with my kids, right? They're only going to be in my life for roughly 18 years in terms of in my home. Now, clients are going to come and go. Opportunities are going to come and go. But this season that I'm in, even as an entrepreneur, it's a unique season for me. And so Learning to say no to good opportunities and good people has been one of the most challenging and the most difficult things I've had to learn to do. Um, So I've had to learn to say no to being asked to be on boards you know, of really great organizations and really great places. It's not that I don't believe in those things and I don't think those things are wonderful. It's just that where I'm at right now, I have to protect my time. And so for me, it helps me stay focused. When I'm at work, I pour myself into my work. I work really hard to ensure that my time is productive and I'm maximizing my time. So that when I'm home, I can be present and I can be there with my family and with my kids.
0: That's, that's great. Um, you know, Always keeping that work-life balance in, in perspective. Because the average business owner is working. I think about it, was at a statistics where like set, over 70% of business owners work um, more than 40 hours a week. So being able to um, carve that time out is, uh, is, a, is very good to hear. Um, how have you and your business evolved over time?
1: Yeah, I think me personally, the evolution... Um, What I would say is this, that I didn't realize this in the beginning, but businesses, I believe, go through these five different stages of growth. And I didn't realize that in the beginning. So what what I would do is I would look around on the internet, I would look around wherever, a book or a podcast or a YouTube video, and I would hear something that a a guru, I'm using that in quotations, was Mm -hmm. saying, and I would think, oh, that's the thing. If I just apply that thing to my business, everything's gonna get better. And what I didn't take into account is what they were talking about would work well for someone in a different stage of business possibly, but not for where I was at that time. And so learning to identify the stage that you're in and to make sure that the advice that you're attempting to apply makes sense for where you, where you are, right? There's a great quote that says, good advice applied at the wrong time is bad advice. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it's the awareness of, Where are we today? What current stage are we in? And then where are we attempting to go? So I love leaning into the future. I love doing things in in a way and in a manner that gets us ready for that next level. And the thing is, that makes us very uncomfortable in the present moment, right? So when we lean into that future, I'll give you one example. Um, This entire year we've spent a tremendous amount of time completely redoing the way we do our financials. Now there was nothing wrong with the way we were doing our financials it was you know all up to par it was all you know standard accounting stuff but based on where we're attempting to go and where our revenue is going to go in the future I knew that we needed to make that investment now so that as we continue to grow the financials are already there to support us. And so it's, for me it's learning to be aware I think would be the big the big key takeaway for me.
0: How do you um, stay uh, motivated
1: and inspired as an entrepreneur? Yeah, I have a slightly different take on motivation. And it's this, that um, when you are motivated by something, that a lot of motivation only lasts for a moment. So, you know, we can go watch a YouTube video or listen to something that motivates us, that inspires us, that gets us, you know, a certain feeling to feel a certain way. But that only last for a moment in our lives. So in other words, those types of motivations only last for a moment. And so for me, what I try to focus on are what are the things that, that motivate me and will continue to motivate me day in and day out that aren't necessarily externals, right? So when we look externally for motivation, I believe that we're setting ourselves up to always need that crutch to motivate us. So for me, what I look for is I look for things that make me a little bit better each day. And what motivates me is knowing that I'm consistent in those things. So journaling, meditation, running, you know, quiet time in the morning. It's all of those little things that I know that if I can stay consistent in those things, it gives me the space. It gives me the focus. It gives me the clarity that I need to keep driving forward because, you know, the entrepreneurial life, It's it, it can be a challenging time.
0: Yeah, without a doubt. What does success look like for you long term?
1: Success for me, Nana, is, you know, it's very different from most. I know a lot of people they love these big goals they love these grand things of you know scaling companies to a certain size or you know reaching certain revenue figures and all those things are great and i'm not opposed to any of those things but but for me success looks like the future looks like where we as a team get better each day and that in and of itself is extremely difficult to do because we know that life has this drifting effect on us, right? We tend to drift towards mediocrity. And so for us to each get better as a team every single day, that requires intention, that requires effort. And I believe that is what success looks like because when we begin drifting, we don't realize we've drifted, right? So if you ever go out in the ocean and you go to surf, what happens is where you go straight out from the the beach the first time, when you look up after a little bit, you've drifted, right? The tide has pulled you a certain direction down the beach. You've ended up way down the beach somewhere and you've never even noticed it because it just happens. And that happens in all of our lives, especially in business world, we end up drifting. So success for me and long-term success for me is this idea of getting better every single day and holding each other accountable to do that. That's, that's great.
0: Um, because a lot of times, sometimes it's a challenge for entrepreneurs and business owners because they're not used to being held accountable, right? So it's kind of interesting to see uh, a business owner, an entrepreneur who's who actually cherishes and relishes uh, accountability, um, at least not just for their team, but also for themselves. So that, that's that's interesting to hear. Um, what do you
1: what do you wish that more people knew about entrepreneurship? Um, I think one of the things that you just, just mentioned is so important. You know, As entrepreneurs, we tend to be problem solvers. We tend to love to be the hero. Um, so in other words, we love to jump in and solve people's problems. We love to jump in and save the day. Um, but what I've learned is that when we do that, number one, we don't empower our team to learn to step up and solve problems and jump in and save the day. We're We're constantly doing that on their behalf. Um, The other thing that I would say is that we have to learn to work on ourselves as entrepreneurs. And you just mentioned this. um, It's about accountability. And as entrepreneurs, our egos, they don't want other people to hold us accountable. After all, we're the boss, right? We're, we're the top dog. We're above this accountability thing. That's why we left maybe a corporate job because we didn't want somebody else quote unquote, telling us what to do or holding us accountable in a certain way. But for me, That is why coaching has been so, so important and impactful in my business and in my life. Um, I hired a coach or a consultant way before the company could afford one. So my wife and I made an intentional decision to sacrifice a lot personally in order for me to hire the first coach that I ever hired. Um, Fast forward a few more years, I hired another coach who was way more expensive. Fast forward again, so I've, I've been on this progression of not necessarily more expensive, but hiring the coaches that are right for me based on where I am in that moment. And Nana, that's why I love so much about the work that you do because you bring that outside accountability. And until we're willing as entrepreneurs to face the truth, we're gonna be destined to repeat the same things over and over again. And so when someone like yourself comes in and, and shows us the reality of the systems, the processes, the things that are missing, Um, we often can't even see those things, right? We're blinded to the fact that those things are broken or missing or whatever the thing may be. So that's a long winded answer of answering that question. But, those are the most impactful things for me.
0: Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I think I think uh, you know, touche. I mean, I think that's uh, uh, thanks for you know, <laughs> thanks for that plug. But yeah, I mean, I think I think, and that is ultimately why I'm passionate about this, right? Because because we want to make sure that we're helping businesses get better, grow, transform, uh, and make you know even you know, better impact and greater impact on their communities. So you know, that is awesome that, that you've taken that to heart. Uh, always you know striving to be better, knowing that hey, you no, know, even that. The the greatest Olympic athletes have coaches, and and I look at business ownership as almost like being an athlete as well. Um, Now, in terms of um, owners who's you know and business business entrepreneurs who
1: struggle with marketing, what's the biggest piece of advice that you have for them? Um, Number one, I would say is that most entrepreneurs are too demanding of their marketing. And what I mean by that is n- most entrepreneurs fall victim to what I would call the hope and prayer strategy, right? They know they need to be doing this marketing thing. And so they, they, they get to the point where they're like, I've got to go do something or we've got to go do something. And so they go do something, like let's just say it's a Facebook campaign or whatever the thing may be, it doesn't matter. And then they hope and pray that that thing works. And then they put all their expectations on that one thing. And then when that one thing doesn't live up to those unrealistic expectations that they have, they then begin saying that Facebook or email marketing or television or radio, you you name it, that thing doesn't work. And in reality, we have to think systematically about marketing. You know, it's very similar to, to what you do in terms of systems and processes. It's like, we have to have the systems and processes in place so that we don't have all of our eggs in one basket, so that we don't have unrealistic expectations around one campaign. So I would say the, the biggest mistake that they make is that they, they put all their eggs in one basket. They're so, um, their demands or their expectations around that one thing are so great that they're setting themselves up for disappointment and for failure with that one particular campaign or endeavor.
0: Yeah. So setting the setting your expectations appropriately.
1: Now how and I guess
0: that may come from like self-awareness um or maybe you know having a, a team around you to help determine if you have the right expectations or not. So now in terms of um in terms of um, strategies for like if bus- for businesses that have hit a plateau and, and are looking to scale What are some of the uh, strategies from a marketing perspective you have uh, in mind for business owners that uh, that are in that situation that need to scale their business?
1: Sure. So I believe there's four core campaigns that every business needs to have. Now, if you're going to scale... You really, you're going to fine tune each of these four campaigns. So you may have multiple versions of each of these four running because you're split testing. You're trying to figure out what's working best, but super quickly. I mean, this is based on human psychology. These are the four campaigns that you need. So you need a campaign that's going to turn strangers into friends. So strangers would be anyone in the world who you believe would have a need for your product or service. So it's not just everyone who who is out there who doesn't know about you, strangers, everyone out there who doesn't know about you, but they could use your product. They need your product or service. So you need a campaign that turns strangers into friends. And that involves two things. They have to know about you and they have to like you. They have to like what you stand for. They have to like what you do. So often entrepreneurs fall into this trap of kind of the shotgun approach to marketing. In other words, we're gonna throw all of this out there and see what sticks. When you get clear about who those people are and what need you fulfill for them, in other words, they actually have a need for your product service, you can then pinpoint those people. The next campaign that you need is you need to turn those friends into customers or into clients. And what's needed to do that is trust. No one's going to pull out their wallet and hand you or hand me money if they don't trust in us. They have to trust in our competence. They have to trust us in terms of confidence. They have to believe that our product or service is going to actually be more valuable to them than the money they part with. And then the last one I call, they have to trust us in a benevolence way, meaning they have to believe that we are going to put their interest above our own. So they have to trust that we are in this for their good, not just our, good, not just a profit, not just some money. So, We need a campaign that builds trust. Two of the most powerful ways to build trust, testimonials and case studies. So you think about it, you don't go to Amazon and order anything unless you scroll down and look at the reviews. You know, if it's two stars out of five, you probably not gonna order it. If it's four or above, you probably will. Um, So all of us need to be thinking through how do we utilize case studies or how do we utilize testimonials to help build trust? Now, that is what most people, you know, converting strangers into customers, that is pretty much what most people think of in terms of marketing. But we believe that marketing is not just your ability to attract new customers, but it's your ability to keep them and convert them into evangelists for your product or service. So the next campaign is we need to turn those customers into evangelists. And the way that you do that, you need a campaign. And this is where it gets different. You need a campaign though, that ensures that you are exceeding customer expectations. So this isn't necessarily a traditional marketing campaign, although it could be, it's more about making sure that you have a litmus test in place that says, we know that a reasonable customer has the right to expect these things of our product. These are their expectations. And here are the ways that we're ensuring we exceed those expectations. Because in the world we live in, every single person just about has this little device they carry in their pocket or in their purse or in their bag called a smartphone. With that smartphone, they can broadcast to the world what they believe about us, right? And yet as marketers, as entrepreneurs, we don't give them enough time and attention to thinking through how do we turn ordinary customers into evangelists for us? And then the final campaign is just simply, once we have people who are interested in being an evangelist for us, we need to give them tools and resources and help them understand how to share what it is that we do. So those are the four campaigns. And what I can tell you is when you fine-tune those four campaigns, that is all it takes to scale. You don't need anything more than that. That is it.
0: That's awesome. That's uh, that's great. Um, so, you know, four stages along the journey. Again, I guess it ties back to where you were saying about the right advice at the right stage in the journey, right? Is in this case, is the customer acquisition and retention journey where you know, from stranger to friend to advocate, um, and then, um, uh, and then to, uh, long term kind of almost like long term partnership. Um, no, that's, so that's great. Um, so how has this, uh, you know, some of these kind of thinking uh, concepts, you know, help your company and your
1: clients? Sure. I think the biggest thing for entrepreneurs, and I'm sure you probably deal with this or, or see this, is that entrepreneurs get so busy doing the things that they have to do, right? And often that's putting out fires, uh, that they don't dedicate time to thinking strategically, And that is so true in the marketing world. Most entrepreneurs fall victim to what I call the ad representative marketing plan. In other words, whatever ad representative stops by that week or calls them that week, that becomes their marketing plan, right? So the radio person stops by this week and says, Hey, I've got this really great package. You know, you know, you need to be marketing and we'll throw in some bonus spots. We'll do all this stuff. And they say, okay, great. I know I need to market. Let's go ahead and do that. And then the ad rep says, well, what do you want the radio spots to say? An entrepreneur says, Oh, I don't have time to think about that right now. Can you go put something together and bring it back to me? And so we end up with ad reps. And that could be, that could be local, like radio, television, print, that could be all those things. It could also be online, right? Facebook now is brilliant at basically writing ads for you. They'll say, let's turn this post into an ad for you. Here's who you should target. Here's how much you should spend. Here's the objective you should select, right? So we are relegating that strategic thinking to other people who don't have a vested interest necessarily in our success, right? They have a vested interest in the commission. Facebook wants the money that you're gonna spend on those ads. The ad rep, although there's great ad rep, I used to be an ad rep, I'm not, this is nothing against ad reps, but they want a commission, right? They don't necessarily care if you have the most phenomenal radio spot in the world. Now, again, I'm not, I know that's a broad general statement, but again, you as the entrepreneur, it is your responsibility to think strategically about these things.
0: Wonderful. Well, thank you so very much for you know sharing your insights and your time with us today. I really appreciate it. Hey, if people want to follow you and the work that you do at Ugly uh, Mug Marketing, how can they do that?
1: The simplest place is just our website. Again, that's just UglyMugMarketing.com. All of our social media, all of our email addresses, phone numbers, et cetera, are right there on the website.
0: That's awesome. Well, uh, thank you. We're going to have that information in show notes as well. So for people that may be driving or out and about, they can uh, check out the show notes later for how they can contact Wayne's company and get more information and maybe even see if they can help them out. All right. So um, again, until next week, uh, bye for now. Don't forget to leave us a rating. Tell us, uh, let us know what you think. Leave us a comment on our Facebook page. Until next time, bye for now.